0: This morning, I have mixed emotions. You ever have that? You ever have mixed emotions? She's back and happy to be here this morning. I'm really glad. I'm, I'm a little sad that PJ's not here with me. She's back in Rhode Island. She's on her way up to New York to see the grandkids. So I'm limping a little bit because, you know, my better half is gone. Ralph, make sure you tell her that. My better half is gone. <laughs> but on the other hand, too, we're in First Peter, and guess what? We're coming to an end. And again, we've been working through it for many weeks, and I'm kind of sad. I mean, I've enjoyed First Peter. And I don't know about you, but like when you're studying something, do you kind of like see everything in life kind of goes through it? PJ, you know, kind of, we study different things, PJ and I. We, different books of the Bible. And so our grids get to that point where we always look through, almost everything comes through that grid of, right now it's been First Peter for me. When we were in James, it went through James. And it's just how, how at least my brain works. And so I'm coming to an end. And now I'm in that period of, now I'm not sure what's next but my grid has to change. And so um, it's been good to study 1 Peter. It's been a lot of fun, but we're wrapping that up this morning. And so if you've been with us, you know that. We've been in almost two months in 1 Peter. Um, certainly could have taken longer. There was a lot in there. 1 Peter ha- is full of good teaching. Um, I say all that to, if you get a chance this week and you're struggling with what to read, read through the whole letter again. Again, remember, this was meant to be a whole completed red letter to each of these churches. And that northern Turkey area, we talked about where that is, you know, in that, that area that's now Turkey, that's no longer Christian, predominantly Muslim. And how sad it is that those churches have not survived the test of time in those areas. Yet, there are believers there. But Peter writes this, and again, they would read the whole thing through a couple of times, maybe spend a couple of weeks, and then they would pass it on. Maybe if they were fortunate, someone would scribe it out. But it's pretty rare. There would be some copies, but it would get passed on to the next church. So I encourage you to, to read that. Oh, there's a, another voice from the youngest member of the church, you know, the, yeah, this morning. That's no, good. But, but read it as a whole, because it's meant to be as a whole. But if you haven't been with us and you want to know, kind of, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a run through. But remember, chapter one talked about the living hope that we have, the resurrection. You know, we're celebrating communion this morning, and that was a, a starting point for our salvation, but it's also the future guarantee of what's to come, that resurrection. And Peter certainly had that in mind as he's encouraging these believers who are coming under persecution, they're suffering, they're struggling. As a hope, it's like, hey, it's only temporal. There's something better yet to come. And then in chapter 2, we looked at how important some of you may remember I called you a bunch of rocks, right? Some of you are chuckling. You remember that, right? But important rocks, precious stones, right? And Jesus is our cornerstone, and we build off of that because he's our foundation. Then we looked in at the end of chapter 2 and chapter 3. We looked at our relationships within the body. We looked at husbands and wives, right? And how we respond to each other is important. Joe brought up a good point. James one nineteen and. I like 120 as well. You can do that next week if you... No, it's 120 as well. But again, how we respond to each other in our marriages. Then how do we respond to each other as believers? How we respond in suffering is important. And then in chapter four, we looked at how we live this out. How do we live as believers in a culture that works against us? as not believers. And then how do we respond to that? all the time, suffering for being a believer. We, we come under different forms of persecution, struggles. We're different as believers. In case you didn't know that, you are. You're different. There. I called you different this morning. I called you rocks. And then before I left on the men's retreat, I talked a little bit about elders. And we're going to start off this morning in chapter 5, verse 1, because it really goes with the rest of the passage. But I'm not going to dig as deep. But Chapter 5, verse 1 says, To the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the, the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Again, we talked a little bit about that. But again, as overseers, shepherds watching over the flock, looking at the sheep. Remember that part when Jesus was reminding me after that sermon, which I, I love it. I love getting feedback. And she says, hey, you remember that part when Jesus was talking to Peter? And Jesus said, hey, Peter, feed my sheep. Right? It was a good reminder. And again, I really appreciate that because it was a reminder of, of what we are fed. And again, part of what we do on Sunday morning is feeding God's word, right? That's what we need to, to eat on, to chew on, to meditate on. I still got my sign out there. I like that. Right? God's word. That's what's going to equip us. That's what's going to help us. It's going to help us grow. in our faith It's going to help us in those tough times. That's what's going to strengthen us. Also in that sheep metaphor is togetherness, working together as a church body. There's safety in numbers. There's safety in staying together, staying together as a flock. So that's all part of that. And again, we, we went over some of the qualifications. And I also want to say that you have really good elders here. All six of them are good men. They do watch over you. They put quite often the needs of the flock ahead of their own. Um, they have to help keep the pastor in line, which is not an easy task. You can blame them if if I'm getting that. No, they are good men and they do serve you as a body well. And so they are good examples. Again, as we're called to be. But then Peter goes from that shepherding mode to you, to the rest of the body. And I like what he says here in verse five. He says, young men, in the same way, Be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Young men, right? And again, men, this goes for women as well. Peter doesn't list it here, but there's other passages that talk about the same thing, about younger women respecting older, older women. Same thing with younger men, right? Be submissive. Put yourself under their authority. Now the thought is, as we get older, that we get wiser. That's the hope, but so it is. We do. You you gain something just from life experiences. But also there's maturity that comes through being in God's word, being as believers. The longer you walk, you should, if you're growing and you're being teachable, you should have some wisdom. And you should be able to help those that are younger than you, younger in the faith, not only chronologically, but just in their relationship. You've probably heard me say, and, and I continue to, to believe that, especially for men, that we need a Paul in our life, we need a Barnabas in our life, and we need a Timothy in our life. And again, that Paul person is that person that has a little more gray hair, that's a little bit older, that's been through the trenches, someone that you can look up to, that you can go to her advice, and they're going to give you good advice. And then sometimes you just need that encourager. You just need that person who's not going to beat you up, but just going to come alongside you and say, hey, it's all right, hang in there, keep going. We got this, right? We'll work on this together. Just that encouragement, just to walk beside you, someone that's maybe in the same point in life, around the same area, and just to walk with you. And then I think it's important, too, to have that younger person, that that Timothy, someone that we're discipling, someone that we're bringing along, that next generation. It's vitally important, especially within the church, to be bringing up the next generation, bringing along those young people, encouraging them teaching them helping them to grow in their faith and so that's part of it here and Peter is doing that here talking to these young men but he also identifies one of the problems both young and old right humility and the opposite of that is pride right and I mentioned briefly about being teachable right that takes being humble that takes that moment of saying you know what I don't have all the answers. I don't know. I've got to go and find someone who does. Or I've got to go back and look to God's word. What, is, what does this mean? I don't know. I don't have it all together. I need help. It's one of the, the hardest things, I think. And Peter addresses it here to men, because I think men, we struggle with it the most, right? If you don't believe it, go out and get lost, right? You know, the old thing, men never ask for directions, right? We'll just keep going. If I'll just go a little bit further down this road, I'll come out somewhere. Yeah, although cell phones and GPS have helped a lot with that. So. But really, we do it in many other areas of our life, not just in directions. We sometimes don't want to humble ourselves and say, you know what, I don't know, I need help. Ask for humbling ourselves. And he backs it up here with Proverbs 3.34, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. If we do, that he may lift you up in due time. Right? So if we do, if we do humble ourselves, God's got us. He's holding on to us. He's the, the author of all wisdom. He's the one that's going to bring us up. He's going to the one that's going to take care of us, even in those situations where we don't know what to do next. He's got this, he's got it under control. He's the one that we can turn to. But on our part, it requires us giving up our will and saying, all right, God, I need your help. And again, that takes humility. Um, and God's willing and wanting to do that for you. It's always a good reminder. Again, there's a lot in here, and I'm throwing a lot at, it, at you this next one, you could do a whole message on that, and I think I have done it in the past, but cast all your anxiety or worry, depending on your translation, on him because he cares for you, right? Cast all your anxiety on him. And there's so much, especially in our media today, that talks about fear, right? We have a virus going around. We have the, the elections coming up. We can, those are all things that can make us very anxious, Right? But can any of us really, as individuals, stop those things? No. So who's the one person that can? God, sounds simple, but boy, it's hard when you're in the middle of it. It's hard when you've given into to that and you start relying on those fears. PJ and I were talking as I was driving her down to the airport, and she, you know, I don't know why she does this, but she, again, she'll probably hear this tape and it's all, but it's not a bad thing. But, but she's talking about, well, if the plane crashes because she's doing a hop. So she said, if one of the planes crashes, I want my funeral service to be in Rhode Island. I said, okay, honey, no problem. You know, that's, that's all right. You, you got it. Whatever you, you know, you want and we'll pick up the pieces and we'll, we'll get you to Rhode Island. And then she goes, well, what about you? Where do you want your funeral? And I'm like, well, in some ways, it makes sense to have it in Maine, some, you know, New York, Rhode Island, Minnesota. I said, honey, I really don't care. <laughs> I said, you know, I, I won't care then. And, and she goes, well, you know, that's the problem. You've left pieces of yourself all over the place. And <clears throat> but she wants hers in Rhode Island. But as I was driving back, I'm thinking about, and she wasn't, I, I wouldn't say she was that worried about it, but she was thinking about it, concerned, you know, she's like two hops and then she's driving a lot and then. We're crossing paths this week. I'm going to be flying out and flying back. and So it can cause that anxiety. But again, with anything, what can we really do about it? Right? Give it to God. Again, anxiety keeps us from doing many things. Men's retreat. We actually talked about that. That was part of it, right? It's talking about the, the opinion of others, the fear of others and what they think of us. Keeps us from being courageous. Keeps us from being bold. Keeps us from being a good testimony. That's just a little snidbit. You might have to check with some of the guys that went to get more of that. But anxiety kills a lot of our testimony. And so we have to be careful that. We have to know where to place that. Verse eight, he's giving us some more instruction. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. All right? He's giving us that tools that we need when we come under attack. Again, it's a, it's a beautiful picture here as far as the shepherd and the sheep, and then you have the devil circling, always looking. And what's what's the one thing, if you think about a a lion or a wolf, what's the one thing he's looking for when he's circling the the flock, the herd? The weak one, right? Weak, by themselves, off to the side, maybe really young, right? Looking for the young one. Or maybe really old as well. If they're the weaker ones in the back, walking along, right? It applies, it works well within the church setting as well. It's looking for those who may be struggling, who may be not attending regularly, who may be not in their word, maybe they're brand new, or they're off by themselves, and they're they're easy prey. So you have that picture. In fact, I have these underlined in my, my Bible just as a reminder because it says to be alert. Sometimes in our faith, as we go along year after year and time after time, we kind of forget about that. We forget that we have an enemy that's just waiting for us to grab us hold on to us, to take us out of the game, right? To cause doubt, to cause anxiety, to doubt even our faith, to doubt even coming to church and being part of a body. Why do that, right? He prowls around. And again, that devour means he can't take away your salvation. Maybe we can make that clear. But he can take you out of a body of believers where you're going to grow. In effect, he makes you ineffective. You're no longer part of the church. And so it's important. It's important to remember. And that's what Peter has in mind here staying together. I love this too. And I also underline resist him and stand firm. Stand firm. You know, that, that's, that phrase is in the, the scriptures a lot stand firm. In fact, if you're you're reading along, put your thumb in the the Bible. We're going to make a jump. I don't do this often, but I'm going to jump this morning over to Ephesians chapter 6. Again, this will be a familiar passage to many of you, but Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ta-da! Man, Ike is good. Good work, Ike. But look, look at the same words. And if you have that same picture using Peter's, and this is Paul writing, but he has the same thing in mind. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand, there's that word again, and against who? The devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. Therefore, of these attacks, because everything's going on, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet all fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Again, I like to finish this out with, Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me, So that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am and I should. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Doesn't that go well together? You know, that standing firm. I had a a dear brother of mine that, um, he was actually an auto mechanic. And uh, it was interesting because we would have talks, quite often we'd have talks in his shop and I would go over just to, to drop off my car for an oil change. And inevitably, an oil change turned into maybe a three or four hour ordeal. And not because he took a long time to change the oil, because he had other people that would change the oil, but because we would get into the scriptures. And it was the one place, he had five kids and a, a busy life. It was the one place that he could take time out and talk. But I'll never forget, he was talking about this passage. And he says, hey, Pastor Charlie, do you know what the ground is? I never thought about it, right? We talk about standing firm. We talk about the armor. He says, you know what the ground is? He says, it's not your ground. It's not the other person's ground. It's God's ground. And that if we stand firm on God's word and his truth, he will protect us. He'll watch over us. That armor is effective. It's kind of an interesting thought, you know, when we we're talking about, Joe was talking about the, even that scripture about slow to, slow to speak, right? It kind of goes in the same, same vein. Remember whose ground. Not our opinion, not what culture tells us, but stand on God's word. Again, it's, it's that vivid picture of mine. But you need those things. And again, the importance, I remember I read the, the beginning part about shepherds. Yes, shepherds have a responsibility, but you as individuals have a responsibility as well to put on the armor. Right? You can defend yourself. You can't blame it on the shepherd, right? God's word gives you authority to do those things in, your, in and of yourself within the church body. Remember, the, the picture with the armor is the Roman soldiers, right? That's the, the picture, these, these things. That's when, when Paul's writing this, he's in Rome, and he's, he's writing kind of what he sees, and he's putting the spiritual part of it together. But the Romans' greatest strength was that they were a group that worked together, shoulder to shoulder, right? Because there were areas that were exposed. But as long as they worked together and they were covered in the front and they stood arm by arm and they moved forward, they were protected. Again, analogies break down in some ways, but this one holds true and it holds true with our spiritual as well, right? We are stronger in the body of Christ together. I think that's what Peter is referring to here as well. And Paul obviously made reference to that. All right, verse 10, back to 1 Peter. I said, I could spend a lot of time in that. There's, there's a couple of messages in the armor of God, but I just wanted to, just to bring that reference point back to you. Verse 10, And the God of all grace, who called you by his eternal glory in Christ, after you had suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast, To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Kind of another benediction here. And he's kind of bringing the the close to the letter, right? And again, he's referring to that perspective. We talked in the beginning of the resurrection, right? Living hope. Also to the suffering. You're only going to suffer a little while. Right? Doesn't seem like that when we're in it, does it? Right? When we're suffering, we, we don't see an end in sight quite often. We can get discouraged. We're saying, hey, hang in there. Be steadfast. This is not all there is. Change your perspective. Look beyond. Remember the cross, but look towards the resurrection. And that's what he's pointing to. He's, he's, hey, look forward. Don't get stuck there. Be steadfast. There's something better to come. Again, he talks about the strength that we'll get from God. God will strengthen us in that. He'll give us power for everything that we need. And then he wraps up the letter with the personal part. I always struggled with this for a long time about these letters. You know, they, they always put these little personal notes in there and people. And I'm saying, well, well, it's a letter, which, you know, it's, is important in some ways. But I'm like, wow, is it really? And then when I went to, to Bible school, I really learned that a lot of how we get dates placement and context and the people in the situation is from these little bits and pieces that we get at the end of the letter. So they're actually really important to letter. Even though we don't know these people and we don't always understand them, it helps Put some context around the scripture. Also makes it more personal, right? Right. We all want to be personalized. If we're addressing someone, we like to be be recognized. You know, they, they did a, a video at the men's retreat of all different things throughout the, the weekend, right? And and I'm like everybody else, I was watching the video and I'm like, huh, all right, I know where that is, but I'm I'm not in that one. But you know, well, maybe that's the back of my head over there, right? We look for ourselves. Did you do that, Everett? Or you did. I know, we all do. Jeff, did you see yourself up there? I was looking, man. I was looking, but we do that though, right? Well, in some ways, Peter's able to do that here with this letter. He's able to, to interject some, some people's names here. A, the people that are with him, which are important, because he's doing it as a group, as a team, but also to some of the people that are in these places. And a lot of them probably need the encouragement need a shout out every once in a while. And so Peter writes that. And again, again, he's not also taking credit for having all this together on his own. He's with other believers. He's got some Barnabas-like people with him. He's got Silas with him, right? Verse 12, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God, stand fast in it, right? See, so I got Silas along with me. My buddy's helping me. He's helping me in this, this endeavor. Again, Silas may have been the one that actually brought the letter to the churches or at least to the first one before it got passed on. But he's helping him. He's encouraging him. Quite often when they were in prison, they would need someone from the outside. Again, it wasn't a prison system that you know necessarily fed the prisoners. You'd have to rely on, Food coming in from the outside. Your friends would keep you alive quite often in these situations. They would bring the things that you need. They would bring some clothing, some food, care packages, if you want to call it that. But they needed that in order to survive. But it was an encouragement as well. Silas may have done that for Peter here. We don't know for sure. But we know that he was a faithful brother and that he was alongside Peter. Had walked along with him. Verse 13. She who is in Babylon Chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. All right, she who is in Babylon. All right, scholars go haywire on Babylon, all right. Babylon obviously is gone, but Babylon could have referred to the culture, could refer to the area of where Babylon was, could have referred to Rome. Pick your choice. Um, And again, it may have been code for the people that were in Rome with him in Babylon. I'm not sure. Like I said, scholars go haywire on it. I don't put a lot into it, but again, it's there in Scripture. um, But that's the, the word that Peter uses here. But these people send greetings, right? It's also a reminder that they're not alone, right? That reminder, that's why, that you're not alone. There are other people that are suffering. Sometimes we need that reminder. That's why it's great when we do missions moment and sometimes it's good for our missions moment to, to go overseas, right? Sometimes it's not hard to, to serve here in the United States, but it's, it's difficult in some of those other countries. And we have brothers and sisters that really are suffering great things. And not that we're not suffering, but it, we can identify with them. We can be encouraged by that. We can be praying for them. Next to last year, greet one another with a kiss of love. All right? Don't start, it's not kissing church, all right? I'm not saying that. Ah, oh, no, yeah, there's always one. Yeah, no. But again, it's, it's, it was a customary thing. I learned this over in Europe, all right? Europe, the cheeks, one cheek for some countries, two cheeks for others, and you know, it gets a little confusing. But again, it's more the, 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 the closeness in relationship, all Right? We probably do more hugs or handshakes here in the U.S. But again, he's saying, hey, greet one another. Enjoy that fellowship. It's okay. You need it. It's part of it. Being close to one another. Right? And that love is a, a love that it just encompasses. It can be a friendship love, filial. Right? It can have that, that meaning to it. Again, it's not a romantic love, but it's just that love that we care about each other. We want to walk with each other. And then lastly, a, a typical closing is Peace. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Shalom. Right? That peace. Peace that helps you through those situations, that gives you that calmness of heart. So, we've covered a lot through 1 Peter. I said there's a ton in there. Believe me, there's a lot more time we could have spent. We've gone through a lot. We've gone through a lot even this morning. But hopefully there's something you can take out of that. Hopefully there's something that you can apply This week, something that will encourage you. Maybe you're going to suffer this week. Maybe you're going to struggle with something. And you need that encouragement. Maybe you're going to start to feel anxious about something. You just need to, right? Or maybe there's something you've been feeling anxious for a long time. And you know what? You just need to give it up and give it to God. Maybe you're feeling like you're out on an island. You feel like you're all alone. Maybe you're feeling that you've you've lost that connection. You're not as close. You're not abiding in the vine, as Alyssa read her verse this morning. That was good, Alyssa. Thank you. I appreciate that, right? That abiding. Maybe you haven't been reading your word as much as you need to, and you need to get back plugged in. There's a lot of things for us to remember and to do, and encourage one another as believers in Christ. Bow with me, please. (coughs) Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, especially for this body of believers here this morning, Lord. And Lord, we are thankful that you are the chief shepherd, that you do watch over your flock. Lord, we're also thankful that you give us the opportunity to pour into each other and that we can be together. Lord, I'm also thankful that you give us the tools that we need to resist the devil, that we don't have to fall for his schemes and that we are connected to you in your glory. And I thank you for the hope that we have in the resurrection of you that even though we may suffer a little bit here, that we look forward to glory to be with you forever and ever. Lord, help us to remember these things. Help us to be able to put these things into practice in this upcoming week. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.